Welcome to week 33, all the balls. Jay Platter, Seahal, Justin Miller. Thanks again for all of you listening, watching, and being here on this lovely, lovely Tuesday night. Me and Connor took a little walk around the block. It's pretty nice out there, Connor. Did you guys? Uh, you went for a walk? Down the street. That's nice. That was good. But um, yeah, thanks again for listening. Back here after some kind of devastating news, in my opinion, if you're a Patriots fan. We'll get to a, a couple of different things this week because it wasn't the most newsworthy week in the world of sports. But there were a couple of major things that happened, by the way. In two weeks for week 35, we'll get into our NFL mock draft preview. Next week, we're going to talk a lot about football, some players, and what's, at the end of the show football? this week as well, the brown ball. Come on, Jake. Come on, Jake. Rugby? But um, yeah, there was some pretty big news that happened yesterday, especially around the Boston area, around the NFL in general. If you're a football fan, even if you're not a football fan, a lot of the ladies love this guy. think he's very hot. They all love him. He's very popular at the temple. He's popular. He is Jewish. Jake loves him. I love him. All Patriots fans should love him because of what he did for the region. But but unfortunately, it's the end of an era. It's the end of Julian Edelman. He did decide to hang up his cleats and retire yesterday. I don't know if you guys watched the video. I thought it was a pretty good video. Did he actually hang them up in the video? No. He was actually crazy. Watch the end of the video. He actually disappears and like basically dies. Whoa. No, he literally like goes up to the air. It was pretty cool if you didn't watch it yet, but... One of my favorite players, one of my favorite receivers, one of my favorite Patriots in general, Julian Edelman. I mean, how can you not love this guy? He helped the team win three Super Bowls, get to another one against the Eagles. And man, in my opinion, probably one of the best receivers in the Patriots history. What do you guys have to say about Jules? Yeah. I mean, t- like wide receivers, like top top five for yeah, sure. For probably Patriots. top three. Top three. Could be top two. I um, mean, Randy Moss, Deion Branch, and that might be in top three. Maybe. I Edelman is way better than Dion Branch. Yeah, I mean, Edelman was just something special. Something don't, that we're not going to see for a long time. Don't me. Don't so, me. Super Bowl MVP, we're talking down. I mean, Connor, being yeah, a, the, the Edelman catch, sir. Being a Jets fan, Connor, I mean, I feel like a lot of people that aren't Patriots fans don't like Edelman because of his trash talking on the field. But He just likes to get hit. When you're watching big-time games and you were watching the Patriots with Tom Brady back in the day, Julian Edelman's a guy that was always stepping up in the clutch. I mean... I don't, I don't mind that. I, I think he was a good player. I think he was certainly a guy who overachieved. And I think he was, you know, he's a, a Patriot great. He's going to be in the ring of honor for New England. And yes, he's gonna, Patriot Hall of Famer. Absolutely. And, you know, he's... 2026, I believe. He's a great, yeah. great player for them. And he was, he was tremendous in a lot of their runs. And he was well needed. And he was a great cog for them. Great in the system. Yep. Talk about a guy who was a seventh round pick. Went from QB to wide receiver. Played defense. Played. Yeah, he played some defensive teams. back too. Incredible story. Incredible story. Kid is. Kid clearly had talent. Kid was clearly just an athlete. Kid was just a football player. He's a good player. Yeah, I mean this guy going to Patriots games, watching Patriots games. I have to agree with you, Matt. I mean, obviously, you everyone was watching that Patriots Falcons game, the unbelievable comeback, but. That was an unbelievable catch that he made. He doesn't made. catch that ball. We don't win. Yeah, if he doesn't catch that ball, most likely not going to win the game unless something crazy happens. But that was a that crazy was catch. That was a crazy thing. Probably the best moment that most people will remember from his career was that catch. Again, another underrated catch. The go-ahead touchdown in the Super Bowl to beat Seattle. The Brady over the shoulder. Actually, that play I heard on the radio today, I don't remember every single play in that game, but two plays before that, same exact play, Brady overthrew Edelman. They went back to the same exact play. I believe the cornerback was that old Simon, I heard. Oh, that guy? And then, and then Edelman <laughs> just makes the great catch to basically not clinch the Super Bowl because Malcolm Butler did that that time. But the go-ahead touchdown to beat Seattle. And then, obviously, another game that I was at that I'll definitely remember, probably one of the best plays I've ever seen in person, the Baltimore Ravens game in the AFC Championship, or the AFC Divisional round. Edelman goes back. 
I was in the club seats actually, and all of a sudden I see Brady pass at Edelman. He starts going backwards. I'm like, what the heck's going on? But then I see Danny Amendola wide open in the end zone. That was an unbelievable play. But you can just think back to all these years in Patriots jersey for Edelman, all these plays that he made, especially in clutch games, and it's just a hell of a career. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, are we gonna are we gonna discuss this? It's up to you guys. Is Julian Edelman answer in the comments? Is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? And I think most people are gonna say yes, just because we're in the New England area. Don't be a homer. I. That's impossible. All right, be, that's impossible. Be a be a realistic homer, and give us a yes or no answer. Give us your reasoning briefly. We might yell at you. We might agree with you. We're gonna discuss it ourselves. Can I go first? Yeah, please. I think he is a Hall of Famer. I mean, I think I I get the reason why you're gonna argue no, but fringe Hall of Famer, in my opinion, yes. I think that the things that put him over the top versus other guys is gonna be the three Super Bowls, and just the where he ranks in the playoff stats. And I get it. I get it. Julian Edelman. It's not like Julian Edelman was playing with you know bums at quarterback and you know had no defense and they're thrown to this guy 50 times a game and he's he's the reason we're winning games but yeah Tom Brady uh you know is a, is a big part of it Julian Edelman is nothing without Tom Brady I'm not going to say Tom Brady's nothing without Julian Edelman but he absolutely helped him for the back half of his career a lot and I think that the the stats show I mean Tom Brady would be throwing other guys if Julian Edelman wasn't that go-to guy whenever he needed him and, you know, he doesn't get in the end zone. He's not a big end zone guy, but, but Edelman is, is a key piece to, to any real run the Patriots have had in the last 10 years. Um, and I think that, that he's worthy of the haul. I think that he's a very unorthodox receiver as far as, you know, what, what dominant receivers are, are looked at. You know, you talk about Calvin Johnson. You talk yeah, about yeah. Jerry Rice, Randy Moss. These guys are, are mossing other players. Um, bringing the ball down and getting in the end zone. Julian Edelman's not that guy, but he he beats those guys out in other categories, and I think that he's worthy of the Hall. Listen, I agree with you. Being a Patriots fan and just watching all these games, I think he is worthy of the Hall. I do believe all the stats do back it up. I know his regular season stats weren't as good. He did have some injuries throughout his career and stuff, but this isn't the NBA where everyone gets in the Hall of Fame. Not everyone gets in the NBA. The NBA is more, more people Sean get Kemp. more people get in the NBA than the NFL. It just seems like they forgot. Listen, I think Julian <laughs> Edelman deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's going to get in just because you look at some other guys in the NFL, like some other receivers, like for example the Sterling Sharp, the Tory Holtz, guys that have similar stats to Julian Edelman, and those guys aren't in the Hall of Fame. So if if those guys aren't in the Hall of Fame, I don't believe Julian Edelman's going to get in just because of the NFL. It seems like it's a lot more strict than other sports like the NBA and those things, and they're just not going to say, oh, everyone gets a ring, everyone gets in the Hall of Fame. Being a Patriots fan and watching Julian Edelman, I definitely think he deserves it, especially looking at his playoff stats. I know playoff stats aren't just going to get you on the Hall of Fame alone, but, man, this guy's won three Super Bowls. He's been clutching all these postseason games. They're 11-3 in the postseason when Julian Edelman plays in playoff games. I mean, he's been the number one target for a long time with Tom Brady in the system, but... His regular season stats, unfortunately, aren't as good. In my opinion, I think he deserves to get in the Hall of Fame based on everything overall with his playoffs, his regular season, the big-time plays, the clutch catches, everything that he's done. But just based on the NFL in general and based on, like I said, some of the guys that aren't in the Hall of Fame, like the Torrey Holtz, the Sterling Sharps, in my opinion, I think he, I think he should get in, but I don't think he's going to. Okay, then let me ask you a different question. Does he deserve to get in over those guys? No. So I don't think he's going to get in. 
Well, but oh, all right. I think all three deserve they to get in. But if this, like and I said, this, that, that means you're just lowering the bar. I'm yeah, like the NBA, like the NBA. I no, I hear you, and I I think that's a fair argument to make, and I'm not going to refute you. I think those two guys deserve to get in. I would add Heinz Ward into that collection as well, who deserve to get in, and that's why I say like he doesn't deserve to get in. And that's not saying he's a bad player. He's not. I clearly just say Sounds like you're saying he sucks. He does not suck. He's a very good player. He's going to get in the Patriots ring of honor. He's going to be a Patriot great forever. And we're going to remember Julian Edelman's name 15, 20, 25, 30 years from today. Even when the Patriots are going to be like nothing and Belichick's moved on and they become a middle of the pack team. That dude's never moving. We're going to remember Julian Edelman. That being said, these guys aren't in the hall. These guys, I don't even want to say their stats are comparable to Edelman's. They're better than Edelman's. They just, their accolades are better. The stats are better. They were better receivers. They were better talented, and they're not in the hall. So if you're going to keep these guys out, I'm, I mean, keeping guys out. Like, Heinz Ward has been um, Hall of Fame eligible for over five years now. Yeah, he, he hasn't, hasn't gotten, gotten in. He has a Super Bowl MVP like Edelman. He's got four Pro Bowls. He's got, like, th- 200 catch seasons. Matched in Edelman's, he's got like 4,000-yard receivers, which is more than Edelman. Two double-digit touchdown seasons. He's a stealer, great, not in. Torrey Holt, great, great receiver. One of the best receivers on uh, greatest show on turf, St. Louis Rams, if you aren't familiar. Yeah, he should be in, I think. Didn't get in. Sterling Sharp, that's a good that's a conversation, but he only played seven seasons. But why, does he, why is it such a contemplation? Because in those seven seasons, he dominated. He was three first-time, three first-team All-Pro Five Pro Bowls, you got 200, 200 catch seasons, 5,000 yard receivings, wow. four at least 10 touchdown seasons. He didn't have a season with under 11 in those seasons. He had 18 in his last season. And you should be in the Hall. He's not in the Hall. So, I mean, the, the bar is very high, and Megatron just got in with. Yeah, he, he was a no doubt Hall of Famer. He's a no doubter. I mean, it's the only average. With Randy Moss. Edelman only averaged three touchdowns, like I was saying before the show. He only averaged three touchdowns. In the regular season for the Patriots, which kind of, if you think about it, is really low. And no, some, he's never had more than seven touchdowns in a season. Some people aren't red zone guys. Yeah, he never was. I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm just and like it doesn't have to be a touchdown thing. It's just the the buildup is the body of work is not there. And I understand the whole playoff thing, but when you get to the playoffs nine out of twelve times, you get a lot of cracks at it. You're gonna get those records. You're gonna be second receiving behind Jerry Rice. You're gonna be second in touchdowns behind Jerry. Yeah, Rice. but I mean, those he, are great he, stats. He's part of the reason they're there. He, they would have been there without him. I mean, because they have Tom you, Brady. You think but... they would have won as many Super Bowls without Edelman? No, he. No. He was the MVP of that last Super Bowl. What do you have? 141 yards in that last game. But just because you won a Super Bowl and you're the reason for winning the Super Bowl, does that get you in the Hall? No, they would have got to the game anyway without him. Now, did he change the outcome of the game? Yes. But that doesn't get you in the hall. All in all, he's going to be remembered as one of the best players of the Patriots dynasty. I mean, the guy you're watching the Super Bowl is this is the main target. Him and Gronkowski. I mean, mm-hmm. they're both kind of similar in the way they were always. Yeah, it seemed like they were both always injured. Gronkowski more than Edelman. But man, these guys. If you didn't have these guys, you wouldn't be winning as many Super Bowls. I know you got Tom Brady, but still, this guy, all in all, a legend in Patriots Nation in the NFL. Definitely. Maybe he won't get in the Hall of Fame. He probably won't just because of like I said. I think there I think are a the lot more strict. I think the touchdowns is a great point. And it may not be something that we are specifically scrutinizing him for, but when these guys are talking about who's going to make the Hall of Fame, they're going to look at that and they're going to say, oh, this guy didn't do enough in this department. Um, and, I, and I think that's totally fair. I think that – I don't think touchdowns are overrated because that's what – you know, touchdowns win games. Right. But, you know, God, there's, there's a reason that there's, 
you know, 99 yards before the final one into the end zone. And, I mean, Edelman clearly made a bigger impact in those 99 than he did in that last one. I mean, it's also the fact that the receiver position for the Hall is so deep. Yeah, you could have so many guys get it if you wanted to. Really. It's so, if you're, it's if you're looking so at active guys, you could say, you know, if you really want to be loose with it, you could say there's like 10 of them. I mean, there are based on stats alone. Yeah, based on stats yeah. alone, but that's where they're gonna have to make a decision in the future, where they're gonna have to take stats away from it a little bit, like minimize, marginalize the impact of it, because these guys' stats are through the roof. Everyone's getting thousand yard receivers. Yeah, it's absolutely absurd. So like, you can't even use that as a metric anymore. So you're gonna have, you're gonna have to go eyeball test. But either way, we'll get more. These guys are freaks. We'll get more into the Patriots yeah. as the season yeah. rolls along, as the season gets closer. The Patriots are definitely going to miss them. Right now, their depth chart's pretty thin at the wide receiver position. All right, man. We got the greatest Eagle receiver of all time. You know, Nelson Aguilar? Yeah. Beast. But we'll get more into the Patriots and that stuff as we get closer Just to the draft. Beast. But overall, Julian Edelman, everyone loves him. How can you not love him if you're a Patriots fan? And just a heck of a career in the Patriots dynasty and the legacy of the team. But overall, man, it's going to be sad watching the Patriots without Julian Edelman. That's definitely for sure. But another thing that happened this week, I know we're not all huge, the biggest golf fans in the world, but the Masters the Masters just finished up. Did you guys watch any of it? Yes, I did. I watched the Sunday. I'll admit I didn't watch one. Actually, you know what? I watched like two minutes of it. I flipped it on the TV. I wasn't really that interested. But Hideki, how do you pronounce his last name? Matsu, Matsuyama. Hideki Matsuyama, the first Japanese Masters winner in the history the last 10 winners of the Masters have all been different players, actually, which is pretty amazing. But, guys, overall, was it a good Masters? I know it was pretty close for the whole way through. Well, Justin, um, Justin, Justin Rose. Rose. Justin Rose started off real hot. And then uh, Matsuyama and this other guy, I forget his name, starts with a Z. He, um, Zisubishi or something? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. They, those two guys sort of swooped in um, and, and took over the back half. But every Masters is a good Masters. I mean, th- this one was a little different because... It was the first time they yeah. had Masters so close together. They pushed last year's up to August. Normally, it's in April. So they had two in a six-month span, which if you love golf, it's amazing. Um, I do love golf, and I love watching the Masters. It was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and good for him. I mean, being the first Japanese player to ever win. Yeah, it, it's great. First Asian. Yeah, yeah Asian. I mean, yeah. unless you count Tiger. Um, no. He's half Asian. Um, Asian born. Yeah, there you go. Um, and, you know, I, I we're going to talk about golf as a whole a little bit, um, but I personally love watching golf. Um, I play golf a little bit. I'm not that good, but, you know, compared to these guys, no one is. Um, yeah, right. I think the, the biggest reason I like watching golf is because I believe that the things those guys do on the course is more difficult to achieve than in any other sport. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I watch, you know, Kevin Durant hit a, a fadeaway three-pointer with somebody in his face for the win, and he hits it. And I'm not going to say if I'm in that spot, I'm going to make that shot, but if I had 100 attempts at it, I'd probably hit one of them. If, I, if you put a golf club in my hand and told me to, to chip it up on from the, the side and, and get it in the hole, You're not gonna hit a hole in I one? could never do it. I could, it would take me a thousand tries, and I'd probably get close on a few of them, and I, and I wouldn't get it once. If you know, if you told me I had to throw a thirty-yard ball downfield on a dime, I wouldn't do it every time, but I could make that throw. Like golf, can't do it. I am absolutely blows my mind. I can do mini golf. Yeah, mini golf. I it absolutely <laughs> blows my mind what these guys are able to do with a club and a ball. The spin they put on it, the accuracy from so far out, the, their driving ability. It's, it's everything about it is something that I 
feels like unachievable for myself, and that's why I think golf is so. Speaking of golf, you think it's one of the, you think it's one of the most underrated sports there is? I do. I mean, it takes it takes someone with patience um, because it, it is a little repetitive, but in the same sense, it isn't. Um, yeah, almost every time you're watching a guy swing a club, you're watching a guy go for a putt. But what in what other sport is every shot different from the last? You know what I mean? Like. The, like yeah, in, in the in basketball, the you know, they're taking they're taking yeah they're taking shots from different areas, but they're going for three. You know what I mean? They're they're taking a hundred guys have taken a shot from the elbow they're in this too. game. Yeah, they're dunk. They're, well, how much? I mean, the dunks are they look different, but they're it's the same action of of jumping from a foot away and putting the ball in the hoop. These guys, that that's another reason why I'm so impressed with with golf. You know, you you stand there and you're taking a shot that you've literally never taken before. That either the, you're on some kind of incline and you have to adjust to to hit off a a curve, or you know there's a there's a breeze that you're unfamiliar with. You're playing outside. There's a tree you need to shoot around. Every shot they take is something they've never taken before, and it, it blows my mind how skilled they are. At yeah, it's hard as shit. To, it, 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 I love it. I just I love how talented these guys are with the club. It, it's amazing. I've, I've never been a huge golf. I've really never been a huge golf fan, to be honest with you. I mean, I think to me, it bores the living shit out of me, to be honest oh, with you. I love golf. Watching it on TV, I'd probably rather watch like a kid's show, to be honest with you. you I, you'd rather watch golf or soccer? I'd rather go take a walk with oh Connor. Oh, my God. I'd watch, I'd watch golf all day. I'd, I'd probably w- rather watch soccer than golf. The Revolution. I mean, Charlie Joseph. Revolu- no, hold on, hold on, hold on. World Cup is great. You can't, yeah, you can't no, say. No, I'd rather I'd ra- watch Messi, Ronaldo, and all those guys in the Revolution. You can't say I'd rather watch golf and then follow it up with the Revolution. That's like saying. I'd rather watch the Revolution or, than I'd golf. I'd rather watch soccer. <laughs> no, it's like, like it, that's like saying, hey, man, you know, you don't watch soccer or golf. And then be like, yeah, you know, I'd rather watch golf. I went down to the uh, putt-putt course the other day, and those guys were killing it. I just think golf's like, extremely boring. About, I think it's yeah, extremely boring. the MLS. They freaking Why? Ball, we're talking man. about all the ball. The MLS sucks. That's not that is not real soccer. I don't care if it's real soccer or not because quite frankly I hate soccer and I hate golf as much as each other. But if I have to pick one, I'd watch soccer over golf, but I'd probably watch like three or four minutes and then watch like Family Guy afterwards. I mean, come on. I think both those sports can bore the shit out of people. Oh, I don't know man. if you guys like them, but I think soccer's really boring as hell, like Matt just said too. I think golf I mean listen. Don't, the 18th hole, the 17th hole, I'm not going to sit there and watch the Masters 1 through 18. <laughs> I, Dude, I, can, I can watch come golf on. for like six hours. Connor, what are you, you going to watch the Masters the whole day? Are you going to spend I like can't. three I, or four days? I, I, I admit that I can't. And, I, and that's why I said I only watched on Sunday. Um, I, it was fun to watch the end. <laughs> it was fun knowing. Like, Those I, guys are good, man. And I even said to uh, my girlfriend, I was like, uh Hopefully it's the last day for the Masters because yeah. it's on right now. I mean, and it was. I was like, oh, thank God. Final round, man. But... Jim oh. Nance scares the shit out of me when he talks about this. By the way, this is America's most prestigious event. I'm it like, is, Jim, dude. come on. It like, is, there's so dude. many other prestigious events. No, in the it Masters. is, dude. Come on. No, like, like football is a bunch of like rabble rousers and guys looking to to hurt each other. Golf is a game of class. Yeah, it's are, class. These game are real, of class. It is. These are these are real men. <laughs> Very that no matter, These are real men that no matter what happens at the end, they all shake hands and Nothing congratulate each other for how they did. It, it really is a game where you play against yourself. I know there's only no, one champion in the Masters, but if you go out and have the best performance of your life and you still lose, you're very proud of yourself. It's a tough game, but I'd ra- I prefer tennis over golf any day of the week. I think it's more fun to play. Tennis is awesome. You're more, listen, but any, I think tennis is awesome. I, I think tennis is real. Watching tennis over golf, tennis, in my opinion, blows golf away. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, they're closer to me than, than for you, but I like tennis a lot. I mean, I think golf is fun to, like, if you go out there and play on the, an 18-hole course and you're not familiar with the course, I think it's a beautiful scene just going out there on a nice sunny day. But after three or four holes, I'd rather go swim in a pool. Listen, like, I understand those golf 
I mean, golf guys drive a ball um, 90 to 100 miles an hour, but you're not really seeing that action versus tennis. You're seeing a 110 mile serve. You're seeing how fast the ball Dude, gets. And the these serves are coming and fast. How, and how accurate they are, because they gotta hit a square on a whole court. That's why I didn't understand about tennis at first. Like you guys, whole <laughs> court, all these lines and stuff, and it's like my dad was trying to teach me. He's like, yeah, you can only hit like this quarter when you're serving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's tough. I, I mean, when like, you're playing what? tennis, you don't realize. You think you just, oh, hit the ball over the net, you get five points. No. no, I mean, it's hard. I mean, I played both of them. I think golf's definitely a lot harder to play than tennis. Uh, 15, yeah, 15, 30, 40 love. But I mean, I like te- playing right. tennis a lot better. I think it's more fun to play than right. just... Mm. Both of them are a lot of fun to play. But I do see why people like golf. Going to Eastern Country Club on an 85 degrees day, sunshine, yeah. having some cores and Miller Lights. I mean... I'm biased. I'm not good at it, so I hate it that's, that's It's tough, man. You, it's, it's a game it, you really need to be really dedicated to. It, and like Jake said, it really is a game of patience because I gave it a shot like three or four <laughs> no, times. But that's, and I was just like, you know what? If I can't pick this up, I hate it. But, that, but that's why I love watching it so much because I could pick up that club every single day for the entire summer and I still wouldn't be able to do one thing those guys do. Yeah. And it's incredible. Like, yeah, if, if I shot a, a thousand three-pointers a day, I'd be a really good three-point shooter by the end of the day. Right. And I'd be able to do some of the moves that Curry does. And I'd be able to hit some of the fadeaways that those guys do. Right. And, it, and you know, it's a skill I, I think it's a little easier to pick up. Not that being an NBA player is easier than being a golfer. Yeah, I'm not, no I'm way. I'm not trying to compare one to the other. But it, it's just so, I. I deem golfers an un- at an unachievable skill level. What else is underrated? Do you have any other sports? I mean, to me, honestly, growing up, I, I always loved the. I don't like the WWE anymore, but growing up, the WWE was literally the best. I loved it. I know after a while, you're like, oh, this blood is really. These guys have razors they in their pockets, themselves. and you're yeah, gonna they have. Cut themselves. And then the Heinz ketchup bottles, like right in their other pocket. They but, cut above their eyes. Yeah, I know, so, but so, yeah. some of it's real. Eighty-five percent of wrestling, probably ninety percent fake. But these guys do get hurt sometimes. I don't like wrestling anymore, but growing up. Being a kid, hopefully no young guys, I'm ruining it for you if you're listening to the show, but... It's fake. The WWE, me and my sister used to go. We brought some John Cena and the Big Show signs. Looking up, going to the Civic Center in Hartford, going to the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence. Watching the main events. Come on, the TLC matches, the the behind-the-scene bar crawls. These were some great times. You know, I wasn't a really big wrestling guy growing up, and I knew that, and you knew that because you grew up next to me, and that was kind of the one area we differed. But as I've gotten older, I've really respected the WWE as an organization. Because, I mean... Vince McMahon and everyone involved? they really do a good job um, of putting on a show and putting on entertainment. And like Justin said, even though, like, it's fake majority of the time, and, like... They're aware that it's fake, and they're not, like, trying to hide anything to the fact that it's fake. They're just, like, our goal is to put on the most entertaining show possible. Right. Well, especially and, when the divas come on. And is, is, it, enter, is it entertaining? <laughs> Absolutely. I watch I, – I haven't watched a WWE event in whole, but I've seen clips, and I, I just get juiced up. I'm just like, wow, I could step in that right now. Yeah. But no – I thought you used to skip the whole episode, and then when the Brian Panties match came on, you just went to that. And just, no. <laughs> no, but I think it was absolutely entertaining. I used to go, I probably went to like six or seven different events back in the That's day. That's awesome. The Cape Cod Melody Town was a hell of a place to go see. You were right live in the action. Um, what was her name? Melinda, not Melinda Doolittle. She was from American Idol. What's your favorite wrestler you've seen? <laughs> her name was Melina. She used to come up, like, I'd high five her, and what then about, all of a sudden, um, the big show, the uh, great Kali. Favorite what I've seen? Favorite wrestler you've seen live. Honestly, the boogeyman always entertained me. Really? They used to come into the ring with the worms, eating the worms and everything. <laughs> it was disgusting, but Ew. I actually went over the summer to McCoy Stadium to see some events. The boogeyman was there. Kevin Hart was actually there. No shit. His brother wasn't. The wrestler? Yeah. I mean, Kevin Hart. I'm talking about Brett the Hitman Hart. 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> I was like, Kevin. No, but I think the WWE is really entertaining. And you know, I think they changed SmackDown. I don't know if it's still on Friday nights, but to be honest with you, if I find it, if I have the time, I'd, I'd watch it this week. Yeah. You kidding me? No. Can I bring up another sport? Yeah. Do you guys like when the Olympics are on? I love them. Yeah. Just because like it's the not Olympics. on a lot. I like the Olympics. One thing I, I love the during the Summer Olympics is beach volleyball. I don't care if it's men. Oh my god! I don't care if it's women. I'm not kidding. It's it's electric, man. Those guys, those people are all over the place. They're hitting shots that are are real tough to counter. Um, I think volleyball in general is a pretty exciting. Yeah, volleyball sport. is pretty fun. Um, it's it's pretty sick to watch. It's wicked fun to play. Um, I love watching volleyball. Oh, volleyball is great, I, especially that beach volleyball. I like watching the beach volleyball games. <laughs> those games are awesome, but. Honestly, I like volleyball and to counter with volleyball. You know what another fun game is? Have you ever watched these Chinese people playing ping pong? Yeah. Holy yes. crap. It's yes. table tennis. You I, I still call it ping pong. These <laughs> balls, I don't know how hard they hit these balls, but I could not return them. They're they're no. No, and they hit, they like kiss the corners and yeah. like. It's unbelievable. Like yeah. this edge of the table. It's like, yeah. wow. They know exactly where that ping pong table tennis ball is going. Isn't that nuts? Oh, it's, it's It literally, it weighs like a, the, the same as a feather and they can it's just like smack it around. It really is other. crazy. It's crazy. in the different angles, you like, it's not always from the corners. They get it off. No, they're everywhere, dude. Like, they're, they're leaning back. Is, I don't know why we waited until. Their backhand, their forehand. They're... Why do we wait until episode 33 to talk about these sports? This is oh a... my God. I guess it, we're having a slow It's, a, it's an off season. The water polo too. I like watching water polo. No. You don't like water polo? No. I mean, those guys I are... Dude, I've played it, and you almost drowned every time you play. <laughs> you, you gotta be a good swimmer. You can't touch the walls. I know. Really? That's like, yeah. Damn, that's You crazy. can't touch the walls, or you're, you have to get out of the pool. I don't like I mean, half of these kids probably did swimming lessons growing up. I mean, well, they're really I, good. Half of them? I would assume. 95% of them. I would assume so. Or they're natural-born fish. Anything else? Michael Phelps. Hmm. I think, I think we covered most of the underrated stuff. I, I like mean. soccer. I like, the, I, I love, like playing soccer. I love the watching. World Cup. I love oh, yeah, the World the Cup. World Cup the World sick. Cup is sick. The World Cup is sick. I love the Champions it. League is sick. It's on right now if you guys are interested. They got PSG just took down uh, Bayern. It's a couple great teams. Like Spanish to me. Spanish to me. PSG <laughs> is French and Bayern is German. Oh, well. Thanks for the update. <laughs> um, no, but, but the Champions League is a lot of fun too. All the best guys in the world, they get to choose where they play versus the World Cup where they're assigned to their you know native land. Right. The uh, World Cup is pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's cool, man. It's all cool. All right, about halfway through the show now, we have, a, Copa. we have a couple more things to talk about. There were a couple NBA news items of the week. The NBA has been kind of quiet. I mean, we're getting towards the end of the season. We'll obviously talk more as the season rolls along. Big Celtics game tonight against the Portland Trailblazers, 10 o'clock on TNT. Hopefully they can win that. But there were a couple things that happened this week. James, well, actually, you know what? The thing that just happened last night, I didn't even mention this. Jamal Murray's out for the season. Torn, torn ACL. ACL. And, man, that's a huge blow to the NBA, a huge blow to the Denver Nuggets. And I'm real, I was really sad to see that. That stinks. It's, yeah, it's a huge blow to – I agree. I guess it's a huge blow to both the excitement factor in the NBA. This guy can go out and get you 50, as we saw in the playoffs last year. Yeah, and, and it sucks. Of course, it's a blow to Denver. He's you know, probably their second-best player. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, does it – I don't. This is where this is where it trips me up a little. Does does that kill the Denver Nuggets? You know, title aspirations. I think or, it does. or were they already dead? I think I think they had a small chance just because the I don't know the Lakers. I, in I my opinion, agree. are still the favorites. Thought, you know what? Where did Denver rank before Murray got hurt? Third. I probably put the LA's ahead of them, and yeah. prop maybe Utah. Yeah, I would put Utah ahead of them too. I would put Denver ahead of Utah, and then Denver ahead of Phoenix. Just because. Well, yeah. What about Phoenix? 
I think Denver and Phoenix are very close. I think I, Phoenix I would, is better. I would give Denver the edge because of the playoff experience. You know Phoenix is a two seed right now. I know exactly where. Phoenix but without Jamal okay, Murray, sorry, I don't think they have a chance. You didn't know Denver's a four seed right now. Without Jamal Murray, uh, I don't yeah, think there's the any the chance. Are like five or six. Right. Michael, and as long as if Michael Porter steps up and scores forty points a game, maybe they'll he won't. reach the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, but I think if Bol puts up uh, you ten threes a game, yeah. But overall, to the NBA, it's just a huge blow, especially Jamal Murray in the playoffs he'll is always back. good. Yeah, he'll be back probably not even for the start of next season. With ACLs, you got to be careful, but maybe we'll see. Another guy that got hurt, James Wiseman. Obviously, this isn't as big of an injury, but he's a rookie that had a lot of promise that I don't think kind of lived up to injury. his expectation. I mean, not as big as Jamal Murray, but... No, but but the Warriors are, are right in contention. They're, yeah, they're not for nine, a title. Nine or ten seed right now? No, they're, they're higher, seed. man. I thought they were higher. They're... They won last night. They're still tense. I think the Warriors have legitimate playoff aspirations, and I think losing Wiseman doesn't help. Yeah. Um, Curry, I mean, I, I don't agree with the Curry MVP talk right now. He plays like an MVP, but he doesn't win like one. Um, I, you can't win if you're, if you're that low. Right. right. But, I mean, with him playing that well, a of, of healthy Warriors team could make some noise. Now I don't think they can. They don't. They don't have. If you don't have size, what, what do you have? Right. They and they didn't have much other than no. a little size and Steph Curry. Now they don't have that. So I mean, no, Draymond can't. He's not. He's not as good as he used to be. No. No, but James Wiseman obviously he's only a rookie. He has a long career ahead of him. I don't think he kind of lived up to what some people thought he would be this season. But again, he didn't play as many minutes either. He's only a rookie. He's still young. He got a rough go since he was starting to start the season. Then Kerr benched him. Like it, it was a weird season. He and he didn't perform that well no. all season. So I mean, but hopefully you know year two is better for him. I already heard he's gonna. He's already scheduled to work out KG in the offseason. So yeah. Good. Hopefully. And that guy can work some. He'll step up next season. I mean, Golden State's should. not going away, and hopefully Clay Thompson can come back next season. We'll that see. team is scary when they're healthy, man. Yeah. But overall, James Wiseman and Jamal Murray, you don't want to see guys like that get hurt, especially, I mean, Jamal Murray, they have they had title aspirations, they whether they were getting so, there or not. But I, it, What does that mean? It means that they're did not going to Did other now. people think they had title aspirations? Yeah, I guarantee you people did. You think other you think other teams in the league said watch out for Denver? No, but this is no. a team that was just in the Western Conference Finals last season. So Portland was in it two years ago. That's and, right. Yeah, they have Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, and the West is more wide open than I think people think. Oh, it's certain. There's five. I think five teams. What's wide open mean? There's at least four or five teams that can get to the championship. I can see the Lakers losing. That's what it means. Really? Lakers, Clippers. I mean, the Utah Jazz are number one in the West. I don't, I don't so. think the Clippers right now are. I mean, the Clippers the, just traded Lou Williams for Rondo. Like, yeah, but that's not going to say, oh, they're not going to make it because they don't have Lou Williams. No, but I think they're better off with him. Yeah, but they still have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, mm-hmm. and a ton of other Ibaka, pieces. Ibaka, um, who's they got, it? Zubac. They've got talent. They they're got good. Talent. They're Pat good Bev, team. Reggie Jackson, right. Morris. Speaking of like talent, team. speaking of talent, we saw some big time performances that just happened this week. Jason Tatum went off, scored 40, 53 against yep. the Minnesota Timberwolves. Career high. And youngest, Zach Levine had youngest, 50. Um, Youngest Celtic to, to have 50. 50 and Jason 53. Taylor. His previous career high was 41. Zach Levine went off for 50 this week. You, got, you guys surprised by this? I mean, we've seen all these crazy performances. Steph Curry just had a big-time performance last night. Third 50-point game of the season for Curry. Yeah. Oldest, oldest player to, to do that in one season. And to me, that's the least surprising out of these three. at 30-plus. I think the I'm a little disappointed by Zach Levine, if, I, if I'm going to be honest. Really? Yes. Okay. Um, Elaborate. He had 39 in the first half, and he finished with 50, and they lost. Yeah, that's true. I did see um, that, yeah. If you're Zach Levine and you have 39 in the first half, I want at least 60, uh, first of all. And I want to win more than more than anything. Um, the Bulls, 
made a very interesting move in getting Vucevic. And I, I didn't know if it was warranted, but the team looks pretty good. And I haven't watched. They look pretty good. Okay. Um, yeah, they're all right. And if Levine, you know, can go out and get 50, that's wonderful. I'd rather they win games. Yeah, they ain't and going I think, anywhere. And I think they're capable of doing it. Levine doesn't need to get 50 anymore. Now he has another all-star next to him. Okay. Um, so that's that's why I'm a little disappointed in Zach Levine. I mean, when it, when the time calls, you go out and you get your points, and that's great. But if you're not winning games, shame on no him. one's remembering that game. You yeah, know what I mean? Chicago would definitely be better because they'll have Busevich, they'll have Levine and stuff like that. And to me, it doesn't surprise me that he scored 50 points. I mean, No, he's a, he's a scorer. We see this all the time. Guys scoring 40, it seems like, almost every night. He's, he's a fantastic shooter. He's a ball-dominant guard. He is the star of a team. He's an all-star. Right. He can go out and get 50. It, th- that's not what impressed me. If he got out and got 50 and they won by 20, I'd love it. Right. Well, Jason Tatum got 53 and they had to go to overtime and beat a crappy Minnesota team. But they had a big comeback. He, he got yeah. those points during a comeback and then they won the game. And I get the team sucks, but then they did the same thing the next night against Who, Denver. the Celtics or the Timberwolves? Um, <laughs> both. Um, but then they did the same thing the next night against Denver and they really destroyed them in the fourth quarter there. Like thirty three to eight, yeah, something I mean, like that. Tatum had a great week. I think he was Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Yes, Average like twenty eight and ten rebounds or something like that. But him or uh, Julius Randle. These these performances are not surprising me one, but we see it every night. It seems seems like at least someone gets thirty five forty a night at this rate. But, oh um, sure, people not, average that. Yeah, I mean, what's Almost. Bradley Beal averaging now? Thirty a game. Yeah, he's dropped a little. He hasn't played as much either. But um, no. another thing that happened regarding the NBA this week, regarding the Minnesota Timberwolves, Connor's old friend Alex Rodriguez. Purchased the Minnesota Timberwolves. He will be a minority stake holder, but he will take over what it looks like in to be the CEO. Two range years, in right? Two years in twenty twenty three. Oh, it is two years. I forget who the billionaire is backing up all the money off the top of my head, but yeah, I mean, I did see a little bit of criticism only coming from the camps that were like, if Glenn Taylor was trying to sell the team, why wouldn't he give it to KG? Yeah, he wanted to buy the team, which. So he got a better offer. I I mean, I understand it. Um, KG, if anyone deserves to own that franchise, it's Kevin Garnett. Oh, hell to the yes. I mean, I, mean, I was surprised when I heard A-Rod. I mean, the guy obviously has tons of money, but I was surprised that he wanted to do it. I am surprised, too. Like, it's it, a moneymaker. It's a weird... Yeah. Is it? It's Minnesota. It doesn't matter. No one would own it if it didn't make money. I'm here. I'm already here, and they want to move it when they when they get a hold of it. Maybe he wanted to be like Derek Jeter. What's Jeter? The Marlins right now, I believe. S- yeah, same situation. Jeter... Runs the Marlins minority stakeholder. He's backed by a billionaire who owns forty six percent of the Marlins. Jesus. Interesting. And A Rod, growing up, he's like always. He, apparently, this was his dream. He always wanted to own a franchise. He's, he's yeah, man. He's who been doesn't? very vocal. He's been very vocal about the past couple of years, and obviously, he made a ton of money being one of the best players. He's in baseball. Rob crafting this thing, man. It, yeah, and I don't know if he's gonna run probably behind the scenes stuff, make some of the decide some of the decisions, obviously for Minnesota, but. He has a long road ahead of him, I think, for Minnesota to get back to relevance. The, Anthony Edwards, in my opinion, is going to be a good player. I didn't realize he was going to be this good this fast. Right. Good score. But around him, I still don't believe there's that much there. You, got, you do have talents. You do have Russell. But in my opinion, I don't think this team's going anywhere for a long time. And this team doesn't fit. We said that when they drafted Edwards. We said you, you have to draft Edwards. But this team doesn't – none of these guys fit a scheme. None of these guys fit a system. There's no system in place right now, man. So it's three guys pl- – no – yeah, two or three guys playing hero ball because one of those three guys is usually out with an injury. Mm-hmm. Right yeah, every now, night. Right now, and Russell's they don't play out. defense. There's a crazy yeah. stat that Towns in Towns like last thirty games. This was before like a month ago. They were like two and twenty eight in the last Shocker. thirty games Towns played. I or feel something. like thirty games ago there was a similar stat about his previous thirty games. Yeah, I mean, like the guy is a natural born loser. Yeah, A Rod. They might. Are they the worst team in the NBA? I think they are. They're like four, fourteen yeah, and forty 14. right now or something. 
They 14, suck. 14 wins. And they're tied with the Rockets, actually. Oh, yeah, the Rockets are bad, too. But yeah, Elon has a lot of work to do. The only difference is uh, there's, like, a st- absolute star player on Minnesota, and they still can't win games. Meanwhile, the Rockets are you loaded up with draft picks and intending to lose. Right. Um, and they still have good guys like Christian Wood. And yeah. uh, John Wall. Wood's good. Like, Wood's having a good season. Jake had, predicted that they one. They've had some emerging budding stars, Oh, did too. I? Jay Sean Tate and <laughs> did uh, I Kevin call that? Porter. Did I call Christian Wood or what? Well, let's see if he wins the award right now. Like 14 wins. Let's he got hurt. He got hurt. Yeah, but so I don't know. I don't know. All right, he, he looks pretty dang good. He looks very good. He's a very good player. All right, let's get into some hockey stuff. We have to hit on the Bruins because they're actually going on right now. They're playing against the Buffalo Sabres and. The Bruins made a big, big-time trade at the trade deadline. Finally, Don Sweeney decided to do something. MVP. The Bruins acquired, Jake knows it. Jake knows his hockey right now. The Bruins acquired Taylor Hall, the former number one overall pick from the Buffalo Sabres. And in my opinion, they did not give up that much. They gave up a few picks. They gave up another player. And this guy, Taylor Hall. How many goals he got this year? He only has two goals. Oh. He plays for one of the worst teams. He plays for the worst team in hockey. They don't score? Buffalo is they're an awful. They, they lost 18 games in a row, I believe, this yeah, season already. But the Bruins are playing right now. I don't know what the score is, but the Bruins acquired a guy that can score a lot of goals. Yes, he only has two goals this season so far, but he's a former number one pick. The first, He went before Tyler Sagan, actually, and the game is 1-1 to right now with five minutes left in the first. Imagine if he scored. But the Bruins made three moves at the trade deadline. Two moves. They acquired three players, and they acquired one of the best guys that was available at the deadline. They made a move. They realized that they're still in the playoff picture. They're still going to be in the playoff picture for the rest of the season. They have a great first line. They have other guys on the second line like Craig Smith, Jake DeBrus that are good players, David Krejci. But now you add a former number one overall pick in Taylor Hall, and the Bruins' depth on the offensive side of the puck is very, very good. I'd say top five in the league. And now you got Pashnak, Bergeron, Marshan. But now you add Taylor Hall to the mix. And if I'm Washington or a team like the Islanders or someone like that, I wouldn't want to face the Bruins in the first round we got to figure out the goalie situation. But in my opinion, Taylor Hall going to Boston was a move that Don Sweeney had to make. He did. It was a good move. I'm not going to say that. I wouldn't go as far as one of the deeper teams in the league. There's a lot of deep teams. Edmonton is very deep with the fact that Dreisaitl, McDavid, and Yamamoto or Nugent Hopkins make up that first line. And then it's just talent and talent for Edmonton, Bari, and Nurse. And you got Toronto's deep. Um... There's a lot of there's a lot. Tampa Bay is super deep. There's a lot of good teams out there. I think this is a good move by Boston. I think Taylor Hall, he, you can look at his stats from this year, but I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take anything into account. His first year, Buffalo disaster. Buffalo is terrible. Right. I wouldn't. He's not playing with great any good talent other than Eichel over there. And no, nothing. I feel, he has nothing around him. I feel horrible for Eichel. He is stuck in Buffalo. With n- nothing around him ever. Last year, Buffalo traded whatever they had besides Eichel. And this year, they signed Taylor Hall and ship him out within a half year and continue to decimate the team outside of Eichel. It sucks for him, but I think it's a necessary move for the Bruins. I think it's very good for them. I think um, there was a lot of questions about their second and third line. Their first line is, without a doubt, one of the best in the NHL. It's um, Stella with Pasternak, Bergey. And those guys up there. So Taylor Hall, hopefully he's going to get some more looks on a better team. He's going to get some better shots, hopefully. Yeah. And he's hopefully going to get back to an MVP form. Because he was, at one point in the league, he was an MVP. Yeah, he was an MVP back in the day. I think this is already his fifth team. But if you're the number one overall pick, you expect big things out of him. Maybe he hasn't lived up to all the hype of being a number one pick. People thought he would be yet. But I know he's coming from a team in Buffalo 
that's just absolutely horrible. But now you go to a Boston Bruins team that's in the playoff picture. And not only do they add Taylor Hall, you add a guy in Curtis Lazar that's going to be on your fourth line. You add more depth to the offensive side of the puck. And then you get a guy, Mike Riley, on the defensive end, another player the Bruins acquired at the deadline. Where the Bruins' defensive depth right now is really taking a hit with all these injuries. Miller's been out a couple games. Matt Grizzlick's been dealing with injuries. Brandon Carlo's been dealing with injuries. And we've said it all season. The Bruins' defense, they lost to Dano Chara and Tory Crew going into the season. And now all these guys on the defensive side of the puck are getting hurt. It seems like left and right every single game. Now you add a guy like Riley that's very dependable. He'll be playing a lot of minutes, hopefully some big minutes in the playoffs. And if you're Don Sweeney, he hasn't made a ton of moves at previous trade deadlines before, a ton of big moves. But acquiring Taylor Hall is a huge move. Getting another offensive piece in Curtis Lazar is a very good move for the Bruins organization. And then getting another defensive player like Riley, a guy that's a very good guy with possession with the puck, a very good, gets a lot of assists. He's going to do a lot for the Bruins, I think, and they're going to need to play him a lot. And right now, if you're Boston, I think they're definitely winners at the trade deadline. But I think it's going to take a little while for Taylor Hall to get accustomed with only about 12 games left to play in the season. I think he, I think it may take him a little bit, um, but I don't think that long because I think he's motivated. Um, first, first indication that gave me to the fact that he's motivated to play on a winning team, he drove from Buffalo to Boston. Yeah, he made the drive. What is it? Six or seven hours? Six <laughs> to seven hours. Yeah. Um, it was it was right after playing a game yesterday or two days ago for Buffalo, and it was the plane was going to take another day, and he'd have to go through protocols. He's like, you know what? I'll just I'll take the drive down. Good for him. Not that bad. Not not even take the drive down. I'll take the drive down and play my former team. They're playing Buffalo. Yeah, they're playing tonight. Buffalo. They better not lose. So, it's pretty sweet. It is, it is very sweet. Very um. Uh, hopefully he gets a goal tonight. Um, but. Yeah, I'm checking the box score right now. I mean, I think so. My point was, I just think he's a. Mo- I think he's gonna be motivated this year and coming into the playoffs this year. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna be looking to see what Taylor Hall does in the second, third line for the Bruins. And it's it's really huge news being a Boston sports fan because previous deadlines, yeah, we got guys like Lee Stempniak and some of those guys. You know, Lee Stempniak. Who? Lee Stempniak. Who? Stempniak. Stempniak. But getting Taylor Hall is just huge. If you're a hockey fan, you know who Taylor Hall is. Being a number one pick, Tyler Sagan actually after him. But man. This should definitely help the Bruins. The Bruins most likely going to make the playoffs. I believe they're four or five points ahead of the Flyers and Rangers right now. The Rangers are a surprise team in the league. But getting him and having a player like that on your second line, who on many teams around the league would be on the first line, it's going to help the Bruins offensively a tremendous amount. And I think the depth on offense of the Bruins is really good, especially if these players stay healthy. That's the main, main concern for the Bruins. And then kind of like we talked about last week, the Islanders made a pretty big move as well, trying to help their offensive depth as well. At the right, deadline. right. So I mean, um, all these teams are making moves, and there's a couple other teams that made some made some moves as well. All contenders, all looking to make one more piece to get to the cup, because we all know in hockey you just have to get to the dance, and once you're in the dance, anything is truly possible. You gotta just go on a nice run. Yeah, the Panthers. Like KG. Oh, anything is possible, man. Anything is possible. The Penguins acquired Jeff Carter, I believe. He's a veteran. Yes. Played with the Kings, was with a championship team. The Penguins got him. He was very good. Yes. And then again, other teams just improving. Anthony Mantha got traded from the Red Wings as well. He's another player that scores a lot of Capitals. goals. That's right. Jared Kessel, if you were listening, you must be happy because he's another good player. They gave up a little bit to get him, I they believe. Gave up a hall. They Jacob Rain or whatever. And, and that's one of Kessel's favorite players. Who else did they get rid of? Orlov? Uh, I, I think. Maybe it was Orlov. It was that, and it's like a second round pick. Um, but yeah, Verona's a very good young player. He's like 24, 25. Yeah, so there, there were definitely other moves at the deadline, other teams trying to improve. It seems like mostly on the offensive side of the puck. Again, a shortened NHL season, not a lot of games left to be played. I believe the Bruins have like 12 after tonight, but 
Taylor Hall, in my opinion, probably the biggest, along with Anthony Mantham. So you're looking at the teams at the top of the standings that are have a chance to make the playoffs, that most likely are going to make the playoffs, so that are making the moves. And they want to improve their team before the playoffs come around. And guys, getting into the playoffs a little bit, I was talking to Jake a little bit before I was talking to Connor. It seems like hockey compared to other sports, it just seems like it's a little more wide open than, like, say, the NBA mm-hmm. and the NFL because you never know who's going to really win when it becomes playoff time. Well, it's because it's of the scoring, too. It's because, um, I well, mean... Yeah, I, yeah, you're right. And it, the scoring is so low, and when you get to the um, playoffs, it's even tighter. All the right. game, everyone plays tighter defense. The goalies are on the top of their game, so you got 3-2, three, 2-1 two, two, mm-hmm. games. Yeah. And when you got games like that... It's not a couple bounces, man. That's exactly what I was gonna say. It's not usually down to skill. It's a bounce here. It's a bounce there, and yeah, a blown a blown call, uh, anything. Yeah, anything. It can change the tide. You can win the. You can win game one as the eight seed underdogs, and that changed the whole momentum of the series. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it can change completely. You you've watched hockey in the past. A lot of people didn't have the Dallas Stars get into the championship last season, and they did. And now you look at this season; they're having a terrible season. Not even gonna make the playoffs. So it seems like in the NBA, you don't see that stuff as much, especially the team getting to the... It's like a team getting to the championship in the NBA and then the next year not even making the playoffs. I feel like that barely ever happens. In the NHL, it's it seems like it's... Miami Heat were looking like it for a little while. Yeah, they were, yeah I mean, that was tough. they've had injuries. But in the but NHL, it just seems way wide open than I other think, sports. I are. think Connor is exactly right. The low scoring is a huge factor because a couple bounces here and there can, can swing the, the game one way versus the other. And... I think that one thing you guys haven't mentioned is how important depth is yes. in, in the yes. NHL. It's a lot more important than it is in other sports, especially oh, yeah. the NBA. It, I think those two are the most easily comparable because they're both going to be seven-game series. They're both going to be similar playoff structures normally with the one through eight taking, you know, taking on each other and moving forward after a seven-game series. Um, in the NBA, once you get to the playoffs – the the roster you know tightens a little bit. You're going seven eight guys deep. Your starters are playing forty minutes a game. Yeah, the NHL and you can't do that. No, you can absolutely cannot. <laughs> You're not do gonna that. play eight players. If, if anything, the lines are getting tighter. You know what I mean? They're shorter. Yeah. These guys are coming in and out playing as hard as they possibly right. can. And it it's extremely important to have depth in that third and fourth line. And if those guys, I mean, you know, obviously they're third and fourth line for a reason. But at the same time, they're in the NHL for a reason. These guys are extremely talented. And if any one of them can step up and make a difference to their team. The, the game is going to swing in that direction. Um, it, it really is amazing that, you know, these lower seed teams that have played, you know, they lost a few games here and there throughout the season and dropped them down compared to the one right. seeds. But once they get there, they're both playing each other. Like I said, the bounces taken, you know, one way or the other, it, it really can swing the game. To return to that point, uh, the depth you made about, I mean, the point you made about depth, and I think this it's very important, and you're completely right that hockey is one of the few sports where depth is essential and if if you want to see jake's kind of test run on that theory then i would say when you get to the playoffs watch edmonton and i, I say this because they're deep they they're deep but Deeper i have than a whole I, I have questions about their coaching so they have about seven they have, i'm talking about their forwards they have about six to seven forwards that's that, three lines three close to three lines that are probably top tier one guys, like line one, line two, or top of line two. And you like and McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, Kyler Yamamoto. Yeah. And they, they're really stacked, actually. They're honestly. stacked. But, and then again, they could go out in the first round because the NHL. And, that, and here's why I think that's more likely than it is in, as far as other top teams. Because um, Dreisaitl and McDavid both play the center position. So you got to have one of those two guys in the second line, ideally. But that's right. kind of impossible because those two guys are the top three 
in the league. Like, it's McDavid, and then it's Austin Matthews, and then Dreisaitl. Yeah, like, those are the top three guys. So what they did this year was they put Dreisaitl on the left wing, and they put McDavid um, center, first line. And then what they did after that, they started running their power play lines on five on five. It's kind of sweet. It is. It I is. mean, when you have two players like that, you can do whatever you want. But, he, but here's, here's, the, kind of, get tired, here's the kind of wrench I want to throw in it because, yeah, they look good all season. And McDavid and Dreisaitl, their numbers are astronomical. Like their yeah. points and goals and assists. Like one of them's going to win MVP. I don't know who. <laughs> Probably Dreisaitl. But the thing is. Most most guys in the top lines play twenty to twenty two minutes. They're playing thirty. They're playing close to thirty. Yeah, they're gassed. Ev- I don't want to say that's gonna, that's going to hit. No, but that's going to hit them when they have to play games every other night in a seven game series. That's what I'm saying because not only you're playing your power play lines on five on five, but now every time a penalty gets happened, they're yeah. on they're on the ice again. These yep. guys are going to be winded. Like these, like their fourth line is barely playing. Whereas this is a regular fourth line, at least gets ten minutes in a in a sixty minute ice hockey game. Their fourth line is barely touching that's, ice. And I feel like that's why it's crazy. It's just it's so wide open. Some of these cr- things happen. Like like Jake said, the NBA you're playing seven, eight guys in playoffs, nine guys sometimes in the NHL. You're not going to have that happening because you can't have it happening. Okay. And just some of these guys get on the ice that. Normally wouldn't in the regular season. Then in the playoffs, you wanna you wanna thin the lines a little bit, but it's not gonna happen. You need players to play and right. And that's why I'm gonna say watch. And I mean Edmonton might overcome this just because, like I said, McDavid and Drysdale are two of the top three players in the league. Yeah. But if they get bounced early, look to that as a reason. And I, I will point to that as a reason because it's not even just their forwards too. Their defense, Darnell Nurse and Barry, they're averaging over thirty minutes a night. Seems like you like this team a lot of times. You might be rooting for this team over the Islanders. No, but he's saying yeah, this, yeah. this team's got such a high ceiling and such a low floor. I bet they don't make it. Which way they're gonna go? I don't think they're gonna make it to the finals. Honestly, I don't. I don't. I just. I because you the coaching. Yeah, I literally think it's the coaching. I think if, if you went talent and you coach this team, like in my opinion, the right way, this is a team that easily should be in the cup. If no, not definitely the prohibited favorite. But, yeah, it's like the the Penguins. I feel like they have all this talent in the world with like Crosby, Malkin these past those, years. But it seems are, like those guys are a little old. Yeah, they're older now, but it just seems like they should have done a lot more in the past. But again, it's hockey. It's wide open. McDavid's like 23, 24. Dreisaitl's like 25. Like, yeah, he is 10 years, at least 10, 12 years so out. So there's an argument there that it could work because those are young legs. But I, I still find difficulty. We'll see what happens. But in general, just going to a live NHL game compared to other sports. I know some people don't like the NHL as much as other sports. It's not as popular Hard as like football, puck, basketball. Yeah, on TV, you need it glowing up sometimes for some of the older folks watching the games. But... <laughs> Going to an NHL game, in my opinion, is an amazing experience. I know, Jake, didn't you go to one in Nashville? I went to a Predators playoff game. It was game six versus the Sharks. The winner go home, wow. and they they won. Wow. It was pretty sweet. It must have been electric. There's nothing like it going was, to a playoff hockey It was pretty game. nasty, honestly. We went. I was part of a DECA in high school. For those still in high school, you should do DECA. It gets you places like Nashville, Tennessee. Um, we were down there. And we're supposed to have some big state dinner. Uh, you know, everyone from Massachusetts is supposed to go to the same place. Right. There were like eight kids from Easton. And we were like, why are we going to this thing when there's a playoff hockey game right across from our hotel? We get $20 playoff tickets. We go in. There's nobody Jesus. there, dude. We had we – had, uh, This was before COVID too. This, oh, dude, this was in like 2015. Wow. We had, we had uh, you know, bleacher seats, nosebleeds. There's nobody there. We moved down to row six. Wow. We're, I'm sitting corner corner of the ice, wow. watching a game, waving my towel, That's going awesome. going crazy. I'm a Preds fan now. I'm a natural warm Preds fan. Go PK Subban. Oh, Back in the day. That's an incredible experience. Oh, it was sick, man. I love that. Winter go home and the place is empty. Yeah. Like, it's not a hockey town. 
It's 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 definitely not. Nashville's always got a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, I know. yeah. Country <laughs> yeah. music. Get your country music, but go into an NHL game. Just dudes playing hockey in the middle. That's crazy. Don't you agree? Kind of go to an NHL game like I mean, a playoff, oh, especially Nashville. playoff yeah, it was hockey. Sick. Oh, it's a. It's There's a, nothing better than playoff hockey. There, there it's is pretty sweet. It's it's an electric atmosphere, and that's why like I'm I'm just getting jealous hearing that story from Jake. Like that's just it's unbelievable. Even even a game six, Fred Sharks. Like I don't even know a ton of guys on either team, but. Man, oh, I had no idea what was happening. I paid 50, <laughs> 50 bucks to be at a game six. Dude, we paid, game tw- like that. We paid 20 bucks a piece. That's awesome. It's a playoff NHL game. That's I mean, killer. you can't do that in Boston and go for 20 bucks to a playoff nope. game. No, no, no. I mean, nope. but going to an Makes NHL game move, is dude. awesome, especially if it's even regular season in the bleachers. Oh, yeah. Makes me want to move balcony. to Orlando and get Magic season tickets for like 300 bucks. You can get those very yeah, cheap. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a lot of fun. All right, let's spend the last five, 10 minutes or whatever time we have left on the show. First of all, in two weeks, this is week 33, for those of you that didn't know. Week 35 will be our NFL mock draft because the NFL draft's in about two weeks. It, it seems like it's wow. crazy. The NFL draft, and this is a big draft for a lot of teams, the Jets, the Patriots, a lot of teams that need a hit on a lot of picks this season. Yes. So we're going to be talking a lot more about the NFL draft in the next coming weeks. But to finish off the show this week, there's a lot of big names out there. You guys, are there any certain players that you want to talk about that fans of the show should know two weeks from now going the into draft? the draft? I mean, you know the big names. You know the Trevor Lawrences. You know the Justin Fields. Devonta Smith. The Zach Wilsons. But Devonta Smith, man, that's the guy. You like him? Oh, my God. Whoever gets him is, is bringing in a top 10 receiver within the first two years that he's in the league. This guy is like a perfect combination of Julio Jones and Tyreek Hill. Yeah, he reminds me of Tyreek Hill. He's got all speed. He's got the size. He can get the end zone. He's going to beat you over the top. He's going to beat you across the middle. If you want to throw the jet sweep at him or the bubble or the bubble screen, he'll get that too. He'll probably break out. This guy is special. I would not be surprised if he's a top three pick. Speaking of wide uh, receivers, you know Jamar Chase, by the way? Who's yeah. got number three, San Francisco? Yeah. They could easily take him. They may get a quarterback. Jamar Chase... From LSU, for those of you that don't know, I know a lot of people probably know about Smith more just because you were watching Alabama in the title game and everything. But Jamar Chase, wide receiver for LSU, he's very good. Could be an absolute star. I think he, he could be a top five pick. He's probably not going to be definitely top ten in my opinion. He didn't play last season on LSU because he was dealing with some things. But man, Jamar Chase could be the best re- receiver from this draft. No way. Wow. Could be the best no receiver way. from this draft. No way. I think those are two very, very, very talented receivers, and I'll bring in. I'll bring in not quite a receiver, but a tight end, very clearly the best tight end in the draft, Kyle Pitts. This yeah. could be the best tight end in a very long time, yeah, by the way. Nasty. This kid is, I mean, talk about someone who could be a receiver, but has the size to be a tight end, mm-hmm. like Kelsey all over again. But nope. I, think, I think he's more speed than Kelsey. Yeah, he could be. He might really, be a top five pick as well. Be, he could be incredible. No way. What are you talking about? He could be top five. What are you talking about? The first two teams are getting quarterbacks. First three. Kyle Pitts. I don't know, man. I've heard he's Kyle Pitts could go at six. Who's picking six? Miami. Yeah, I mean, this guy's a once-in-a-generation type of tight end coming out of Florida. I heard Atlanta might take him in four. Atlanta seems like always likes their tight end. I mean, you still got Matty Ice there. Yeah, they're going to make the next Austin Hooper. Yeah. Exactly. Another tight end. You guys probably weren't expecting this name on the show today, but Hunter Long out of Boston College was one of BC's best tight ends in a very long time. Why why am I not surprised you're talking about someone from BC? (laughs) Because he's a name you should know about. He's probably going to be a guy that gets picked on like day two or most likely day three. You should really know about this guy going pick 128. I guarantee you he's one of the top five best tight ends that comes out of this draft. If he goes pick 128, you owe me money. 128? I'll write it down right now. 128. 
Hunter Long. But no, seriously, Kyle Pitts is the one most people know about. I believe there's another tight end coming out of Penn State that's very good yes, as well. Yes. With like a long last name, Oshawar or some crazy shit like that. Osweiler. Yeah, Brock Osweiler. But Hunter Long's a guy from BC, a very reliable target, a security blanket. It could be a who could have a long NFL career. I don't know how good he's gonna be, but he's a tight end to keep in mind. And obviously the top of the draft. Great, great quarterbacks. Long or Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry. Or Howie Long. If you're, How long? if you're looking for a cornerback, I know corners are very hard to come by, especially the good ones. Yeah. Patrick, There's only four of them. Patrick Sheridan, the second. Certain looks good. Yeah, from Alabama. He looks good. And Patrick, everyone from Alabama, man. Well, I mean, they don't always hit. They're, they're off and on, um, but they always, they always tend to get drafted in the first round. So certain is Certain's good. You know who else is going to be good? Asante Samuel Ju- Jr. Florida Asante really? Samuel Jr. is going to be good. I think he's going to be a maybe. How was that guy's kid already in the league? I know. It's crazy. Seems, shows like we're getting old. That guy retired like five years ago? Probably longer. Longer. But Asante <laughs> Samuel Jr. is supposed league. to be very good as well. Coming out of Florida State, he was yes. their best corner last season. And him, Patrick Sheridan is going to be good. And then if you talk about some of the quarterbacks, I mean, this quarterback class, in my opinion, is awesome. You got the guys at the top that you know about the Lawrences, Wilson, the Wilsons, Fields. and Trey Lance. In my opinion, Trask. I think Trey Lance could be really good. Jones. Wow. I really like Trey Lance. Yeah, Trask, Mac Jones. Well, I think Trask is more of a day two pick, in my opinion. I don't know, man. He's probably. I mean, there's gonna be a lot of first round quarterbacks this year. I think it tops out around five. You like Trey Lance? You think Jones is the first rounder? Yeah, I do. I think Patriots, I snap him. I, I, I don't think he's a first-round talent. I think he's going to go first-round. I don't, I don't think Lance is first-round talent. I think he's good. No, yeah. I think he's good, but I, but also, I didn't think Jordan Love was first-round talent last year. Yeah, but that was a silly pick. It was, it was silly, but... Dude didn't touch the ball. People thought he was... I know, he should you don't You don't go first-round with a guy who's not going to touch the ball. I mean, it's Green Bay's M.O. Fucking Aaron Rodgers. Whatever, man. Another, yeah, good quarter- back too. another good quarterback people aren't talking about as much is Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. Kellen Mond's a guy... huge. He has a lot of speed, too. Have you seen that guy run? Yes. He's, he's big, he's powerful, he has a great arm, and he I can run the football. I don't think he's as good as those other guys. No, he's not as good but as those is, other guys. He is a big quarterback. Yeah, he's big. I don't... He might be a 6'3 or 6'4, but he's not getting just talked about as much because you know the guys that are going to be at the top. But Kellen Mond's a guy that could go on day big two, shoulders. day three. Uh, it looks like a tight end. Sounds like for yeah, he's, he's really big. I, we watched, I'm, I think I watched him play a lot like when he played freshman year. Like he, cause he was, he's been a starter at Texas A&M forever. Mm-hmm. Like, feels like since Manziel left, it was I watched Kellen Mond. <laughs> uh, how about the running backs? you like any of the running backs in this draft? I think um, ETN's good. ETN seems like he was at Clemson forever, and ETN yeah. finally is going to the draft. I think he could be very good, Travis ETN. Very good. Chubba Hubbard. From very Oklahoma good. State. Chubba Hubbard. Very good player. Chubba um, Hubbard. There's a couple other ones. In Alabama, you got Najee Harris. Najee Harris. That dude's sick. You got Trey Sermon out of Ohio State. Yeah, filthy. So you, got some, you got some talent, and obviously running backs go deep, 10-2. Yeah. Ten, ten, ten so, I mean, Jets need a running back. I, w- I wouldn't touch one until round three. Right. There's plenty there. It, no, the, the wide receivers are very All deep right. in this draft. We'll be talking more in the next coming weeks. We'll give you our mock drafts. I think the quarterbacks are deep. The receivers are deep. Offensive linemen, by the way, Pini, what's his name? Pini Suell from Oregon. Yes. They're saying he could be one of the best offensive linemen in like the last five or six years. The Bengals should draft him. Yeah, he's going to be the top offensive lineman off the board. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. He's a guy that could be a long, long player, in the, a guy that's in the NFL for a long time. The Bengals should draft him right away. They need help on that offensive line. Yeah, you got to protect Barrow as soon as you can. You got to. I mean, they, they... Are they talking about trading him? Yeah, yeah, I don't think Stop. that's going to happen. No. They I think were, it's bullshit. No way. no way. And then defensively, I think there's a lot of other guys. There's a lot of good cornerbacks like we talked about in this draft, but Micah Parsons out of Penn State, yep. going to be one of the top linebackers selected in the draft. Looks very good. 
they comparing Michael Parsons to like Dante Hightower. I think Michael Parsons can be a very good linebacker. And the Patriots at 15 sitting there, they like to draft linebackers. I don't know if they're going to draft them, but I'd watch out for Michael Parsons going to the Patriots in the middle of the draft. I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. Um, oh, that would... That makes that defense even more scary than it already is. Putting Hightower next to Micah Parsons. Yeah. Who else do you and, like? And um, we got the the other guy, uh, the linebacker. Oh, Uche? No, um, no the, Ra- the Ravens. Yeah, the Ravens. Oh, Judon. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's that's a pretty scary linebacker. I'm trying to think any other key names that we want to mention before. Um, Christian Barrymore, the defensive lineman on Alabama. Yes, yes. He was awesome in the, in the championship. He's a very good player. He was at Alabama for, it seems like a long time, but he really wasn't. But Christian Barrymore, all the Alabama guys always get drafted. But Barrymore was the best player on Alabama's defensive line this past season. And when you're selecting and you see an Alabama guy on the board, I don't think a lot of teams are going to pass up on Christian Barrymore wherever he gets drafted. No, I mean, but defensive line, in recent years, is so tough to hit on. And and that's one of those positions where it gets drafted at a premium, very high first-round picks. And I was just looking through a couple last... Um, drafts and defensive lines in the first round and some of them hit don't get me wrong but ever since like Aaron Donald you haven't had one that really nailed it like oh yeah it's a superstar and they get yeah. they get picked like they're supposed to be superstars so it's it's a tough position Miles Garrett was a huge hit but that was it's kind of an anomaly I feel like because he was prohibited the number one right yeah I mean yeah, right, definitely by far Another thing I want to mention real quick, I saw Gregory Rosso, defensive end for Miami. He's, a lot of people like him. He sat out last season, actually, because he was nervous with COVID. He slipped. He's a guy that did slip, but I'm reading here that the Miami Hurricanes defensive ends, Jalen Phillips and Gregory Rosso, could make history in the NFL draft if both are selected in the first round. Both of them are projected to be selected in the first round. They'd be the first set of defensive ends from the same school taken in the first round since Manny Lawson and Mario Williams of NC State in 06. So... If you're a Miami Hurricanes fan, you might have two guys that are defensive ends going in the first round of your draft. That's pretty impressive. It is. I mean, I mean, Russo slipped on a lot of boards because he didn't play, and it's kind of a fault of his own, but not at the same time. There was just a lot of talent that we saw in college football, and recency bias plays a huge factor in everything. So, But whoever gets Russo, it might be in the 20s that he gets picked. He's definitely a first-round, day-one pick. Yeah. But I think he'll be a good talent. No, so this draft, it's loaded. A lot of, obviously, good players. Like I said, quarterbacks and wide receiver, in my opinion, are very deep. The offensive line, guys at the top, very good as well. Some great defensive players, some great cornerbacks. We'll be talking a lot more about this on Week 34 next week. We'll probably start off the show with some Patriots and Jets needs, what they need to do with the draft. And then, of course, Week 35, we're going to get into our mock draft, see how many predictions we can get right. It's always harder than it seems, honestly, every single season. I won last year. Yeah, Jake wins everything. But we'll be talking more about that next week. I'm nice at it. Got, got into Second a lot of different talk this week. I didn't think we'd be talking about WWE, golf, tennis, and all that stuff no. too ball. much. But there was a lot to talk about in week 33 this week. The Celtics play the Portland Trailblazers tonight at 10 o'clock on TNT. Bet on the Celtics. I think I think the Celtics are going to win tonight. I think the Celtics are going to win too. I think that they're – I mean, Portland is good. If Portland comes out firing – and hits all their shots. It's going to be a tough night for the Celtics, but I think the Celtics have what it takes to win. Um, I was watching Portland the other night. They are a lot better defensively than I thought they were. Yeah. Um, and they, they really have it. I mean, if they if they string that together with a, with a solid offensive performance night in and night out, I think they could go up there in that contending class. Right. You know, the, the lower tier, you know, maybe challenging a Phoenix or a, a Utah in, in the first no, couple of rounds. Um, but as far as tonight, 
I think, you know, Kemba is a little bit of a defensive liability. I think Lillard has a big night, but I think that, you know... Celtics if, win. If, yeah, I think Celtics win. I think if Tatum can overcome the matchup with Covington, if Brown can, can get something out of a CJ matchup, which is more, uh, you, know, uh, you know, good for him... I think that the Celtics can pull it off. It's going to be about stopping Cantor, too. Yeah, Cantor, 30-rebound night the other night. That's unbelievable. The most in Portland Trailblazers history. But I think Celtics win tonight. 113-106 will be my prediction for the game. That's low. Tune in on TNT tonight. Celtics Trailblazers coming at you in under two hours. Yeah, 10-10 tip. But we'll be back here next week for week 34, all the balls. We'll be talking a lot more about the NFL draft that's coming up in about two weeks. But thank you for joining us. As always, that's Connor Howe, that's Jake Platter, and I'm Justin Miller. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great rest of your nights. Lee.